Well, welcome back to Marriages by Design. I'm Todd Carter. I'm Andrea Carter. Andrew, waving at you. Andrea Blackwood Carter. Andrea Blackwood Carter. I like to always <laughs> put that in there. Her, if you're not over 50, you probably don't know who the Blackwoods are. If you're over 50, you may know who the Blackwood you may. brothers were, and that was Andrea's family all the way Our back family to heritage. Grandma. Yep. So phenomenal gospel singers and sharing God's word. Well, in our first podcast, we told you uh, a little bit about ourselves, our family, uh, our children, uh, a little our bit ministry. about marriages by design, the ministry, and uh, just a quick recap again, uh, especially about the marriages by design three, two, one. Remember, it's like a triangle with Christ at the top and the husband and the wife are in the corners. And again, a lot of times when people get married, they want to come out and tell each other what their expectations are. I will tell you numerous times, do not point your finger. I am only pointing as an example, but not as a purpose. So Just being safe. Yes. So you work on yourself as you work on yourself. The two of you work on your relationship with Christ of reading God's word. Let him speak to you. And then the two become one. That is what's phenomenal about the scripture. No longer two, but one. Are we one? Yes. <laughs> if not, I'll be checking. one right after I'm we're done checking. here. <laughs> <laughs> so here are some ground rules for couples. Usually they're sitting right next to us. But again, we're going to speak as if we are talking to thousands of couples at one time. All right. There's going to be no preaching or sermons. No preaching. Nope. Nope. We're not going to preach. We're not preachers. Uh, we're not going to give sermons. Uh, we're going to tell about life and how we are life coaches and how we are strugglers too and what God did and the verses and the tools he gave us that were part of his word. Uh, secondly, active listening. A lot active of times. Active listening means that I actually hear what my wife is saying before I form the thoughts of what I'm going to tell her. <laughs> so you have to remember the biggest part of communication, which was very, very difficult for me because men want to fix it. There is a hilarious YouTube video out there <clears throat> called nail in the head. If you ever get a chance to look at it, uh, the lady is sitting there and she's got a nail right in her head and her husband can't do anything, but think about how to get that nail out of her head. And that's caused their problem. And she's telling him, you're just not listening. And they he's can like, go watch it. So go, go watch <laughs> nail in the head. Uh, question and answers. Uh, again, when you, uh, find us on Facebook or website. You can send in questions and we'd be more than happy to pray with you yep. and uh, give you some direction guidance. Uh, there are no Sunday school answers here. Uh, no, there's just the, truth, just the truth. And sometimes that's hard. And if you are going to have a great marriage, then we, we have to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, I told you at the beginning, no finger pointing at spouses, but instead coming back to you. Uh, if you're ever in one of our classes or have one of our 
studies or guides, uh, if you will imagine the home, and then you'll break it up into three pieces. In that home, you've got the a foundation. Blueprint. A yeah. blueprint of a home. Blueprint of a home. You've got a foundation. You've got the inner workings of the home. And then you have the roof. Mm -hmm. Now, most couples, when they come to us, and I'm sure a lot of you are the same, when you come to us, they want to know how do we fix these topics? Communication, parenting, yep. sex, family expectations, friends, finances. Those are some of the top five of where people struggle. The problem is with that is all of those are on the roof. When you build a home, you don't start on the roof. I'm not a construction person, I'm not a builder, but I at least know that. <laughs> so we will not start on the roof. Where do we have to go? Those are all important topics, but again, they become more black and white if we go to the foundation. And the foundation is Christ, faith in Christ, prayer, and God's word. That's the foundation. Yeah. The inner workings are and there's a covering that says as under the Lord. I remember you used to talk about this mm -hmm. a lot, that it's under the covering of the Lord is love, the heart, forgiveness, and the seven L's. So over time, we'll go over some of those. But again, remember, you have to begin with the foundation. So. It can't be correct. If you have a crack in the foundation, I mean, it's probably one of the worst things in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've just been through there's some horrible Sometimes storms. Sometimes you don't realize you have it either. Right. We just had some horrible storms. I got our house repainted, <clears throat> new roof on. That's a whole lot easier than if we had a crack in our foundation. Yeah. And a whole lot less money. So with that in mind, I'm going to continue on. We talked a little bit, my ex, everybody, again, we'll repeat some of these just so in case you weren't a part, everybody has an ex. Mm -hmm. And an ex is something that uh, Satan can get at you at. Uh, it could be in finances, uh, it could be depression, uh, it could be parenting, um, codependencies, Yeah. it could be anger. Mm -hmm. Mine was anger. So people said all the time, how'd you get rid of it? Well, first I had to realize that I had to work on me. When you're an angry person, what you always want to do is point to the other person. You had to recognize that you had a problem first. I did. Yeah. There's two scriptures that made a huge impact on me. One was Joshua 1.8 and the other one was James 1.22. Joshua 1.8 says, we are to meditate on his word day and night. Yeah. Do everything written in it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. So I started reading God's word, meditating on it. And the second one was in James 1.22 that says, do not merely listen to the word, but do it. Do it. I always tell people, all guys always remember that. That's the Nike verse. Nike didn't even come up with their own slogan. <laughs> Please don't sue me on that. I'm just, it, it is out there before you guys came up with it. But it said, 
do Just not do it. <laughs> merely listen to the word, but do it. Let me give you a great example. So an anger person goes to church and you just hear a phenomenal service about how to not become angry, that you have two ears, one mouth. It's like an intersection and a stop sign. Mm -hmm. And the problem is I'd hear that great sermon, go out to the parking lot. Andrea knows this is a true story. I'm sitting there in the car and that little old man will not let our lane go. We've been sitting there too long and it's our turn. So I just took that sermon that I was, I was going to apply and it lasted about two minutes till I got to the parking lot. Or another one that Andrea said is when I would come home with the kids, the first thing I would do is go to the mail, go to the mail <laughs> and what's in the mailbox. Usually, Nothing that makes you happy. Usually bills. <laughs> so I go from work to the mail mm -hmm. and it set the mood for the night. And it was a horrible interaction with the kids for a long time. And when you leave work, when you leave home, even if it's not raining outside or snowing outside, it's like when you put on that coat to go home, you begin to pray that the Holy Spirit will guide and direct you in your conversations that evening. And when you get home, even if you don't have a coat on, you imagine pulling it off and hanging it up. Why? Because now you are going to be that father and that husband that you wanted to be. I don't know very many people that innately want to be bad. Most of us want to be good. Most of us. <laughs> yeah. And we get stuck in a rut and we don't know how to get out of it. So to me, it was focusing on God's word. And if I had to stay in his word on one scripture for an entire month, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. And I stayed on those two, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. And what's cool about that first one, Joshua 1.8 is, right after Joshua took over from Moses. And he told him right after that, that he's going to give him the strength and the courage. It's a phenomenal scripture because imagine coming in after Moses and going to help lead people into the promised land. Well, you had to make sure that the, we were talking about staying on a scripture for a period of time. You had to make sure that it sunk in. Sometimes you have to do that. You have to repeat it over and over to right. yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say it over and over. Um, you have to make sure that the word sinks in. Sometimes I think we read it or we'll do our devotions because it's a, it's what we're supposed to do. It's a checklist. And then you forget about it. And then something happens and you're like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to remember that. I'm supposed to be... I'm supposed to be doing this, supposed to be doing that. And it's, it's, a. Uh, you have to do what's best for you. You have to lock into whatever you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to. Sometimes you look up other scriptures that have to do with that same subject. You have to, 
get the word ingrained into your heart, not just into your head. There's a lot of people that have a head knowledge of who God is and who Jesus is and what he can do. But if you don't have it in your heart, if you don't have the heart knowledge, then it's, it's just like an education. It's not an indoctrination. It's an education at that point. That's right. And again, I know that because of growing up, I knew everything not to do, but I didn't know God's word. When God's word began to sink in my heart and I started reading that I'm supposed to meditate on it mm -hmm. throughout the day. That doesn't mean I'm sitting there reading for hours and hours. I'm taking that scripture, that devotion, and I'm taking it with me the entire day. Watch what it does to you if you remember throughout the day mm -hmm. that scripture. I'll give yeah. you a great scripture that I heard more than once about anger. Okay. It was James. I love the book of James because it's very relevant to a lot of things. And it says, everyone should be quick to listen, mm -hmm. slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, if you just read that, it doesn't mean much. But if you start slowing it down and listening to it and applying it, when you begin getting angry, it will rush back in and give you the information you need. Quick mm -hmm. to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Now, one of the couples that we told you that we're going to have a testimony from different couples, uh, like one a month for the next 12 months. So that's going to be awesome. Bringing them in. One of the couples I'm going to share little bit of story because it's mine too, but, and I won't give their names. It'll, it'll make it more exciting when they come in, but <laughs> he had anger issues like I did. Yeah. And, uh, so we obviously connected because people that have anger issues understand each other <laughs> very quickly. And he came in a few weeks later and he said, quick, slow, slow. I'm like, what? Quick, slow, slow. <laughs> I said, what is quick, slow, slow? And he said, that scripture you gave me. I'm sitting there thinking, going, I can't remember a scripture that says quick, slow, slow. And he said, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. He said, I was getting angry so fast. I had to start saying quick, slow, slow, quick, slow, slow. <laughs> so it would help me <clears throat> calm down. And I thought that is powerful. I mean, that's what's yeah. incredible about God's word. He will change you from the inside out. No 12 step program or, or seven, seven, or somebody just thinks, uh, I mean, Andrew and I do things a little differently from there are a lot of counselors out there that are just men or women. And then they'll have couples come in and, and Lord always told us, you're a man, you're a woman. I know that's questionable nowadays with people, but I'm a man, you're a woman <laughs> and you'd bring other people in. And it was nice because they'd said, well, I'm kind of like Andrea or I'm like Todd. Well, so it was a husband and wife and a husband. It's a, it's and wife. a fair game at that point. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's made a huge impact on everything, mm -hmm. but I'm excited about that couple to come in and, and uh, tell you their story. And what's great is, that's been 
I don't know, five, six, seven, ten years ago. I don't know. Probably ten. Uh, just amazing how God has worked in their marriage. And here's what's incredible. They turned around and helped some of our children. Yeah. So just incredible what God can do when you open up to him and his word. Yeah. So you want to tell them any more about the anger part or what you saw God begin to change in me? Well, I mean, I get asked a lot too. How, I mean, when did you notice? How did you notice? When did things change? You have to, I mean, you have to realize when somebody's got an anger issue or any kind of an issue, it's yes, God can do a miracle overnight. And we've actually seen that happen in our family here recently. Yes. Literally overnight. But a lot of times we don't see it that way. We see it. It's gradual over time. Whoops. I hit the spring. Um, and that's what happened in our situation. It was a gradual thing over time. I'm not going to say that we woke up one day and all of a sudden I was like, well, okay, things are getting better. But I saw him trying. I saw him working on it. I didn't necessarily see him reading his Bible, but he was at work more than he was at home. So that's when those things took place, I'm sure. Um, but I had to do my part too. I had to be, I had to support him, even though I was hurt a lot. I had to support him through prayer. I know there's a lot of wives that, or sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes the women have the anger issues um, or whatever the issue is. And the other one is, you know, saying, I'm, I'm praying, I'm trying, I'm praying, but you can't try. You just have to do it. You have to buckle down and do it. And there are times when you, when you are so hurt or you get so upset yourself at what's going on that you don't feel like praying for that person. That's when you should pray harder. Um, there was a book that I read called The Power of a Praying Wife, and that really, really helped me. Stormy O'Marion. Mm -hmm. And I, I've given that book out a lot to a lot of women or recommended that they read it because it just gives you step by step by step on what to pray for for your husband and why you need to pray those things. I mean, as a provider, as a husband, as a father, as, as a friend. There's a lot of, of areas that you need to cover for them because they got a big target on their back because they are the spiritual leader of your home. And if the enemy can get the spiritual leader down, guess what? Everything spiritual in your home becomes non-existent because everything is just yucky. And the men in our family and our families, they have a big target on their back because of that. Because that's the way it was set up in the Bible. There to be the spiritual leader of the home. But I will say this. There are some families who where the men aren't saved. And obviously you need to pray for them to be saved. But if they're not going to be the spiritual leader, then the women need to step up and be the spiritual leader. Get yourself to church. Take your children to church. If you start changing, he'll notice it. And he'll want to become like you. That's a, that's a big one. Yep. It talks about that in the Bible too. Yeah, we'll read that yeah. here in a second. Remind me about that in First Peter three. Okay. Um, a couple of verses I wanted to tell you about that. Uh, uh, I I know God has a sense of humor, uh, 
because he directed them to me. I will read in different versions because I like, that's what helps me stay on one verse often to really understand it and meditate in it. So I'd, I'd read, and I love the Proverbs. If you don't have a daily devotional, you can go read one chapter uh, of the day and it's phenomenal. Yep. Well, out of Proverbs 18, verse 13, let me read it to you in the NIV. Okay. It says, to answer before listening, that is their folly and shame. Yes. Okay. Now, in my world, and most of you, we probably don't use the word folly and shame very often. So, I mean, it's just not something that uh, comes up every day. But if, let me read it here to you in the message. I think I have it memorized, but I want to make sure. Well, there it is. I was say it's going to have to just bring it. You can quote it. I know I can. <laughs> it says, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. There you go. That one I understood. So <laughs> folly and shame didn't do a whole lot for me. Stupid and rude, I completely understood. Yeah. Kind of slaps you in the face. Oh, it is. I've told many a guys that... Uh, that is, that's something that we have to watch because we always try to fix things. Uh, another one, again, for all couples, and you'll probably hear me say this scripture a million times, but in a marriage, this is one, if you could meditate on this, every couple, this scripture right here, I'm about to read to you. And if you can meditate on and work this out, it probably taken care of 90%. You ready? Because it's very different. I'm ready. You ready? <laughs> Proverbs 18, 21. Okay. Words kill. Mm -hmm. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. And you choose. All the time with couples, we use words that don't give life. Yes, we do. We have had couples around us that have been married 25 years and all of a sudden get a divorce. And in marriages by design, we don't like the divorce word. We call it the D word. Right. And the reason we call it the D word is kind of like saying the F word. Everybody knows what the F word is. To us, the D word is just as bad. But what happens if those words are thrown around to always hurt and to kill somebody sooner or later they catch up yeah and somebody can't it's take dangerous it anymore. ground and somebody says i'm out but if couples would work on this right here we hear it all the time we yeah. tell people all the time i have to tell myself all the time words kill or words give life life they're either poison or fruit and you choose that's what I'm asking you to do as a couple. Don't choose words that kill each other. And I will say this, I'll, I'll follow it up with this. It's the attitude in which you present things to. Yes. The body language, the tone of voice that you use, the abruptness, the sarcasm that's put in there with it. It's not just the words, it's the whole presentation of it. How to several couples try to get away with that what's I, I don't say anything bad what's not what you say it's how you said it 
that's just as hurtful. Yes. Yep. So let's, uh, let's close with this scripture before we go to our final. I want us to talk about this because you brought okay. it up. Uh, it's probably the one every time we go to a wedding, we put down the scripture mm -hmm. because it identifies how a woman is supposed to be and a man is supposed to be in yeah. seven scriptures, just seven. Okay. A woman has six of them. Six. Say we have a lot, girls. <laughs> the man has one. Lord knew we could only handle so much. So he just gave us one. So first Peter three, one through seven. Okay. okay I'm going to read it to you. Got it. Be good wives to your husbands, responsive to their needs. There are husbands who indifferent as they are to any words about God will be captivated by your life and your holy beauty. What matters is not your outer appearance, the styling of your hair, the jewelry you wear, the cut of your clothes, but your inner disposition. Cultivate inner beauty, the gentle, gracious kind that God delights in. The holy women of old were beautiful before God that way and were good, loyal wives to their husbands. Sarah, for instance, taking care of Abraham would address him as my dear husband. You'll be true daughters of Sarah if you do the same, unanxious and unintimidated. Verse number seven. Same goes for you husbands. Be good husbands to your wives. Honor them, delight in them. As women, they lack some of your advantages, but in the new life of God's grace, your equals. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Those seven, seven verses for marriage is phenomenal. If you'll focus on them. Andrea talked about it earlier. If you have a husband that is not serving God, you serve God. Yeah. You go to service. Because even though you can't change him, he will see what God is doing to you. The mm -hmm. greatest example you can ever do is not again, point to somebody and tell them what they're That's doing right. wrong is, but let God change you. When people see that you've been changed, it's unbelievable. Right. We were teaching a marriage class one time. And again, I told you I went to a Christian university and, uh, I went to school with this gentleman. They were in our class and I was surprised they were in his class because he knew me back then. And, I couldn't believe he stayed in the marriage class, but it, it had been 10, 15 years. And he called me up after first couple of weeks and he said, Todd, I got to apologize. And I said, okay, what for? And he said, man, I didn't want to be in your class. I kind of knew that. He said, I didn't want to be in your class because I knew what you were like at school. But he says, I want to apologize because you showed me how God can change somebody. And I said, you know what? That's probably the greatest compliment I've ever heard. You don't have to apologize. I thank you because that's what I want to happen. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that? You follow God's word. You see what it said to the women, but look what it says to the man. There may only be one verse, but we got a lot in it. <laughs> you have to honor your wife. When I think of honor for me, it's like the old Excalibur. 
when the king came into the room, yep. what did people do? They knelt. Now, I'm not necessarily he doesn't kneel I'm for not me. necessarily <laughs> kneeling when Andrew comes in the room, <laughs> but my mindset, the way I love her, is to honor her. When I am at uh, a meeting with her or church, she's the most important. It's not just chivalry. It's allowing my wife to go first and to be recognized because I am honoring her. And second is to delight in her, to have fun together. I mean, yes, I am older, but I feel like we're having so much more fun now than we did in our first 10 years. And all of that is because what has God has done inside my heart, what God has done for Andrea, and hopefully we're able yep. to share that. But what's very, very important that you need to hear about this verse, the most important things, husband, if you do not do that, your prayers will not be answered. And I cannot state that enough. If you have a business and if you're not honoring and delighting your wife and your business is failing or something's going wrong and you've been praying about it, there it is right there. It says to honor and delight in your wife. Treat your wives then as equals so your prayers don't run aground. Right. That's a heavy one just for a lesson, but yeah. let's uh, give our scripture, which is about wham. If you weren't at the first one, wham stands for with all my heart and with all my heart is all over the Carter family. Now you can use it all you want because we just took it out of God's word. So we plagiarized it. We have it on our license plate. We have it on a business. Uh, we have it on some equipment we have where we call it Wham Fam or uh, with all my heart family. We started writing about it uh, way back when. Uh, Gitch will be another testimony at some point, point about Skylar and what God's done in his life. But I remember writing it down. I love you with all my heart. And God took me to this verse. And God says, this is the first and greatest commandment. So if you want a scripture to know what to start on, to start meditating, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do that, meditate on that, it'll not only help you, but your marriage. So. Yeah. God, I thank you for this time we had. I thank you for your word. I thank you where it always reminds me. God, every lesson is for me. As a fellow struggler, to remember how to honor and treat my wife. How to be slow in my speech so I don't get angry. God, how I am to listen and not speaking first so I'm not rude. God, I just thank you for all the lessons in your word. And I thank you that I am going to continue to meditate on your word day and night so that I can be the man of God, the father of God, and the husband you want me to be. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen.